This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Welcome to Sunday Commentary, a weekly program designed to break open the Sunday Scripture readings. Join us as we listen to God's Word and seek to grow in our love and understanding for the good news in our lives. And now, Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman. The Liturgical Scripture Readings for the Fifth Sunday of Easter A reading from the Acts of the Apostles As the number of disciples continued to grow, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the twelve called together the community of the disciples and said, It is not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. Brothers, select from among you seven reputable men, filled with the Spirit and wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this task, whereas we shall devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The proposal was acceptable to the whole community, so they chose Stephen, a man filled with faith and the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas of Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. The word of God continued to spread, and the number of the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly. Even a large group of priests were becoming obedient to the faith. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Responsorial Psalm. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Exalt you just in the Lord. Praise from the upright is fitting. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp. With the ten-screamed lyre, chant his praises. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. Upright is the word of the Lord, and all his works are trustworthy. He loves justice and right. Of the kindness of the Lord, the earth is full. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. See, the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him, upon those who hope for his kindness, to deliver them from death and preserve them in spite of famine. Lord, let your mercy be on us as we place our trust in you. A reading from the first letter of St. Peter. Beloved, come to him, a living stone, rejected by human beings, but chosen and precious in the sight of God. And, like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it says in Scripture, Behold, I am laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in it shall not be put to shame. Therefore, its value is for you who have faith, but for those without faith, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that will make people stumble and a rock that will make them fall. They stumble by disobeying the word as is their destiny. 
You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may announce the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwellings. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on you do not know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these because I am going to the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is risen. Alleluia. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. We are here on the fifth Sunday of Easter, and we have a theme through our readings today of being called to be not only a holy people, but really to remain steadfast to the truth, don't we today, Carla? Yeah, we do. We hear it uh, right off the bat here in the first reading from uh, the Acts of the Apostles. It tells us about some of the growing pains that the church was experiencing. The Hellenists complained to the church leaders that the Hebrews were being unfair with the daily distribution of food. So to help bring about kind of a balance of power, you know, balance of interest, the decision was made to appoint some trustworthy men respected by those on both sides of the issue to oversee the distribution so it was fair to all. Yeah, and you mentioned that growing pains. I mean, we have the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, and sure, it was getting larger, and there was a struggle to maintain that one deposit of faith, but yet live its various manifestations while becoming more global. And of course, we had the Hellenists and the Hebrews. The Hellenists were uh, Greek-speaking Jews who lived outside of Palestine, and the Hebrews were the Hebrew-speaking Jews born in Palestine. So it's a little geographic thing going on. Uh, the Hellenists had their own synagogues. They had a certain amount of Greek culture in their uh, in their worship. And so that's where some of that tension, I think, was coming from. They were just kind of two, one church, but again, two different Two, two different places, I guess. Right, and we see some of that today, right? Oh, you know, don't sit on my pew, Carla. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, I know. <laughs> and and I think there could be sometimes there's some confusion among Christians about how to handle injustices and wrongdoings that do occur within the structure of the church and often at the parish level. It is okay to voice a concern in, re, in a respectful manner and to go through the proper channels. You know, that's not being unchristian in wanting to correct an 
here. Right. No, that's true. And and here we're in this reading, we kind of see that what would be called the what we would call the diaconate today. Um, now I do want to say that early Christian writers didn't necessarily connect these seven, at least in a technical sense, to the word deacon, because you don't see the word deacon in here. Right. But it is believed that this ministry described here helped form the diaconate as we know it today. And it very much is a ministry of physical service. You see here in the middle of the reading where the apostles say, it's not right for us to neglect the word of God to serve at table. So we thankfully have the diaconate that can really have that physical service. Uh, There are many things that a deacon and priest can do uh, but there are some things that a deacon cannot do. Right. So a deacon cannot hear confessions, cannot do the anointing of the sick, cannot consecrate the Eucharist, um, cannot administer confirmation, uh, of course, cannot ordain other priests. There's many things that uh, the deacons cannot do, but they have some similarities there. And again, it's very much a uh, a ministry of service. So you have this, this many parts, one body sort of thing. You know, the church has many different skills and charisms and types of service. And this was really a way to kind of help have these men of reputable faith and these deacons ultimately be able to provide uh, critical needs for our church today. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So agree. really good reading that way. Uh, we have the second reading from the letter of uh, St. Peter. Yeah. So St. Peter says, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Now, the kind of priesthood that St. Peter is referring to in this reading is not the ministry of ordained priesthood, but rather the general priesthood shared by all baptized persons. St. Paul also says that the purpose of this holy priesthood shared by baptized Christians is to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Sacrifice is an important part of Christian living. Not sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice, because that would be meaningless, but rather sacrifice for the sake of love, sacrifice for the sake of Jesus. And in the life of a Christian, the way we respond to hardships that come our way can become a sacrifice when we surrender it to God, when we unite our hardships to the suffering of our crucified Lord. And if we want to know what kind of spiritual sacrifice is acceptable to God, we need look no further than the crucifix to see how Christ laid down his life for the redemption of the world. And in a practical, everyday sense, a few examples of spiritual sacrifice are parents. You know, they sacrifice their time, their sleep, their recreation. And then we have um, uh, holy orders and uh, religious life. They sacrifice their lives for the good of the, of the uh, congregations. And we have military personnel who give their lives for the country. Those are just a few examples. Yeah. And you talk about that sacrifice. It's all to, to know and to love and serve Christ more tomorrow than we do today. Yes. Of course, we see him saying here, behold, I'm laying a stone in Zion, a cornerstone. So we have Christ as the cornerstone. And then you go, well, wait a second, Kevin. There are other places in the Bible where Christ is not the cornerstone. Uh, Actually, the New Testament contains five different metaphors for the foundation of the church. And I'm going to notice, or at least point out three here. Uh, In one, Jesus is the foundation. In another, Peter is the foundation. And still in a third, the apostles are the foundation. So if you look at Matthew 16, 18, of course, what we know at the beginning of the papacy, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church. Of course, then you have today's uh, reading from Peter. Um, Behold, I'm laying uh, in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. But then you also see in the book of Revelation, and the wall of the city has 12 foundations, and on them the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. 
they seem at least a beginning to conflict. But again, these are metaphors that really describe various aspects of the church or the kingdom of God. So they don't really conflict at all. They just talk about different aspects. And right. in the catechism, it says this, often too, the church is called the building of God. The Lord compared himself to the stone which the builders rejected, but which was made into the cornerstone. On this foundation, the church is built by the apostles, and from it, the church receives uh, solidity and unity. So just wonderful way to kind of explain some of this maybe apparent contradiction that we see. Yeah. And we know that, uh, of course, Christ is a builder. We, he's a carpenter. And uh, he must like to build things if we talk about the gospel today, doesn't That's he? That's what we hear. He's, he's in the house building. <laughs> Jesus tells his <laughs> disciples that he's going to his father's house and that he will prepare a, prepare a place for them. And his disciples protested, saying that they didn't know where he was going or how to find them. You know, Kevin, I have a very vivid memory of leaving for work one day. Now, this was shortly after beginning my life as a single parent, so our family had already been through quite an upheaval. My then four-year-old daughter was in tears as I left for work, and I assured her that I'd be back, but that didn't help because she was so distraught and so caught up in the moment. Anyway, I got in my car, and she was watching me from her grandmother's living room window, and I saw the tears and the look on her face. And my heart was breaking. So to comfort her, I began making the hand gestures to go with that song, you know, the Skidamarinkadinkadoo song. Sure. And after a minute or two, she joined in. And I watched as a smile just burst open across her face. When I got to work, I called home to check on her. And my mom told me she was taking care of her. And she said, Mommy, will be back. Her confidence had been restored. You know, in this gospel reading, Jesus tells his disciples that he is leaving and that he will come back for them. His disciples express worry and fear in that they wouldn't know how to find him. And in response, our Lord told them to believe. He comforted them. Wonderful things happen when we believe. Believing is the necessary first step by which faith is manifested in our hearts and our lives. Alleluia. You've been listening to Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman, produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through moderndayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.